Chapter Forty Four of Howarth's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Howarth's by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter Forty Four. Why do you cry for me? When he said that he had seen Murdoch standing in the road before the house he had spoken the truth it was also true that even as they stood upon the terrace he was there still he was there every night where he slept or when or if at all his mother and christian did not know they only knew that he never spent a night at home they barely saw him from day to day when he came home in the morning and evening it was to sit at the table rarely speaking scarcely tasting food only drinking greedily the cup of strong coffee christian always had in readiness for him the girl was very good to him in these days she watched him in terror of his unnatural mood he hardly seemed to see them when they were in the room with him his eyes were hollow and burning bright he grew thin and narrow-chested and stooped his hands were unsteady when he lifted anything when she was alone christian said to herself again and again he will die there is no help for it he will die or worse one morning she came down to find him lying on the sofa with closed eyes and such a deadly face that she almost cried out aloud but she restrained herself and went into the kitchen as if to perform her usual tasks not long afterward she returned carrying a little tray with a cup of hot coffee upon it will you drink this for me she said to him he opened his eyes a little impatiently but he sat up and drank it it's very good he said as he fell back again into his old position but you mustn't put yourself to trouble for me afterward the coffee was always ready for him when he came in and he got into the habit of drinking it mechanically the books he had been accustomed to pore over at every leisure moment lay unopened he neither touched nor looked at them the two women tried to live their lives as if nothing were happening they studiously avoided questioning or appearing to observe him we must not let him think that we talk of him christian said she showed a wonderful gentleness and tact until long afterward mrs murdoch scarcely knew what support and comfort she had in her her past life had planted in her a readiness to despair he's like his father she said once he was like him as a child he is very trusting and faithful but when his belief is gone it is all over he has given up as his father did before he died he will not try to live he did not try to live but he did not think of death he was too full of other morbid thoughts he could not follow any idea far a thousand of them came and went and in the end were as nothing why he kept saying to himself weakly and wearily why was it what had i done 
it was a strange thing to choose me out of so many i was hardly worth it to have chosen another man would have served her better he did not know how the days passed at the works the men began to gaze at him askance and mutter when he went by the thayther went daft they said is this chap going the same way it was only the look of his face which made them say so he got through his work one way or another but the days were his dread the nights strange and dreadful enough were better than the broad daylight with the scores of hands about him and the clangor of hammers and whir of machinery he fell into the habit of going to the engine room and standing staring at the engine fascinated by it once he drew nearer and nearer with such a look in his eye that floxham began to regard him stealthily he went closer pace by pace and at last made a step which brought a shout from floxham who sprang upon him and tore him away what art at thou fool he yelled does thou want to go home on a shutter wakening with a long breath he said i forgot that was it i was thinking of another thing the time came at length when he had altered so that when he went out his mother and christian often sat up together half the night trembling with a fear neither of them would have put into words as they sat trying to talk each would glance at the other stealthily and when their eyes met each would start as if with some guilty thought on one of the worst and most dreadful of nights christian suddenly rose from her seat crossed the hearth and threw herself upon her knees before her companion i am going out she said don't don't try to keep me it is midnight said mrs murdoch and you don't know where to go yes the girl returned i do for god's sake let me go i cannot bear it the woman gave her a long look and then said a strange and cruel thing you had better stay where you are it is not you he wants no she said bitterly it is not i he wants but i can find him and make sure that he will come back and then you will go to sleep she left her in spite of her efforts to detain her she was utterly fearless and went into the night as if there was no such thing as peril on earth she did know where to go and went there murdoch was standing opposite the house in which rachel french slept she went to him and put her hand on his arm what are you doing here she said in a low voice he turned and gave her a cold vacant look he did not seem at all surprised at finding her dark beautiful young face at his very shoulder i don't know can you tell me we have been waiting for you she said we cannot rest when you are away do you want me to go home and go to bed decently and sleep he said do you suppose i would not if i could i always start from here and come back here i say to myself it'll take me an hour to reach the place where i can see her window it is something to hold one's mind in check with this rambling and and 
forgetting what one has to think about is a terrible thing come home with me she said we will not talk you can lie on the sofa and we will go away i want your mother to sleep something in her presence began to influence him to a saner mood what are you doing here he asked it is midnight i'm not afraid i could not bear to stay in the house we sit there an idea seemed to strike him suddenly he stopped her and asked deliberately did you come because you thought i might do myself harm she would not answer and after waiting a second or so he went on slowly i have thought i might myself sometimes but never for long you have no need to fear i'm always stopped by the thought that perhaps it is not worth it after all when things look clearer i shall get over it yes i think i shall get over it though now there seems to be no end but some day it will come and i shall get over it don't be afraid that i shall do myself harm if i am not killed before the end comes i shall not kill myself i shall know it was not worth it after all the tears had been running down her cheeks as she stood but she bit her lip and forced herself to breathe evenly so that he might not find her out but just then as he moved a great drop fell upon the back of his hand he stopped and began to tremble good heavens he cried you are crying why do you cry for me because i cannot help it she said in a half whisper i do not cry often i never cried for anyone before i'll take you home he said moving slowly along at her side don't cry end of chapter forty four recording by john brandon